Let's be opening our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to continue our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians 4 tonight. As I was working on this lesson uh, this last week, I realized that I was going to have to do a part 1 and part 2 after I looked at my first point. I realized that uh, it was pretty long and I didn't want to rush through uh, the last three and so there's no need to, to rush through this sermon. I thought I would just uh, present two lessons from First Thessalonians 4 and so that's uh, what we've done. And so let me invite you to open your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Lord willing, next week we're going to continue this short series of lessons on sanctification from 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. As we think about the subject of sanctification, we realize that this is very different than what the world would have us to believe. The world would say to us that we should fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind, to do whatever you want to do, to eat, drink, be merry, life is short. Again, what God says, though, is very, very different. And when I think about the subject of, of sanctification, and considering what we've already talked about concerning sanctification, it really reminds me of, of what God said long ago through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's a reason why we are opening God's Word tonight. We're interested in what God says, not what the world says, but we're interested in what the God of heaven has to say. And we've noticed at the beginning of this series of lessons from 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 3, what the will of God is. What is God's will for us? To live a sanctified life. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. We've been looking at the implications of sanctification. We've already talked about moral purity. As Paul would say in verse number 3, we are to abstain from fornication. As I said, that's very different from what the world would say. And we see how so many in the world live and how they practice fornication. God says, I want you to abstain from fornication. And then this morning we talked about loving the brethren. We're to have this Philadelphia love for one another. Another implication of sanctification. This is what sanctification looks like. If we live a sanctified life, we're going to have genuine care, genuine love for one another. That Philadelphia love. And we've learned how to love one another through God's love. God first loved us. And that's why we love Him and that's why we love one another. Well, we're in 
the section of First Thessalonians four nine through eleven. And as you look at nine through eleven, there are really four basic exhortations, and we've mentioned the first one this morning. We are to love one another. And then Paul says we are to lead a quiet life. We are to work with our hands. We're to mind our own business. And then the Apostle Paul is going to talk about the purpose. But these four things all center around sanctification. All of them have to do with being set apart from sin unto God for His service. And so tonight we're going to just pick up with verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 11. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. Three of those exhortations are, are three. There are three exhortations right here in verse number eleven. A total of four, nine through eleven, and three of them come from this verse, verse number eleven. And Paul again says that we are to lead a a quiet life. What is he talking about? We are to to lead a a, a quiet life. Some have translated this a quiet and peaceable life. Hold your, your spot there in 1 Thessalonians 4. And if you would, turn over to the book of, of 1 Timothy chapter 2 because this is what we're to be praying for. As we pray to God, as we bring our petitions before God, we should be praying that we would be able to live this, this kind of life, this quiet and, and peaceable life. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, Paul says, I exhort you therefore that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. And listen to what he says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And the idea is, Don't be an obnoxious person as a Christian. Don't be a a troublemaker. Don't live in a way that that you go out of your way to, to be in the public eye for the purpose of drawing attention to yourself. Don't do that. Don't draw attention to yourself. Learn to live a quiet and peaceable life. And even during troublesome times, even in the midst of of challenges, we should have this, this quiet temperament about us. The Apostle Peter talks about that as he relates to women uh, being married to, to unbelievers in First Peter chapter four, and he talks about her her quiet spirit, which is a wonderful thing in the sight of God, and that's what Paul is encouraging us to do as we strive to live a sanctified life. How do I know I'm I'm living that way, set apart from sin unto God for His service? 
Well, am I living in a way that's drawing attention to myself? Am I wanting to, to be the spotlight? Or am I living in a way that I'm pointing people to Jesus Christ? I'm convinced that if I'm living a quiet and peaceable life, a godly life, I'm not going to be the center of attention. I'm going to point people to Jesus Christ. I want people to see Christ living in me. And Paul is really showing us how to do that. How to point people to Jesus Christ. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't be an agitator. Live a quiet and peaceable life. Show people Christ living in you and you will find yourself living a sanctified life. Paul continues though in verse number 11. Not only are we to to study to be quiet, but he says, do your own business. This is good advice, isn't it? Practical advice. There's a lot of wisdom in what Paul is saying here. Mind your own business. Don't get into somebody else's affairs. Let me simplify it for you. Tend to your own rat killings. Anybody ever heard that? Mind your your own business. Do you realize that this was a, a major problem for the church? Uh, everybody getting into one another's business. It's something that, that the Apostle Paul had to address with this congregation. And, and you see him giving the, the exhortation here as it relates to sanctification. But, but turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, and first Thess- uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians, excuse me, chapter 3, verse number 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 11. Paul says, For, for we hear that, that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, notice the terminology, but are busybodies. There were those that, that were sticking their noses into everybody else's business. Paul says, don't do that. Don't, don't live that way. Remember, you live a sanctified life. You live a a, a quiet life. You mind your own business. You take care of your own business, spiritually speaking. You see the same problem not only here with the congregation at Thessalonica, but we see the same problem with the congregation at Ephesus. Now, we won't see that in the book of Ephesians, but when we turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, you remember Paul was going to address certain widows, younger widows, that had become busybodies. They were going around gossiping, getting into to everybody's business, and Paul exhorts them. He rebukes them very strongly. But remember, Paul is really speaking to the women there at Ephesus because that's where Timothy was. And Paul was writing Timothy. And Paul was encouraging Timothy to address these issues, these problems. And these are things that we need to be reminded of. Simple things that have to do with living a life that is set apart from sin unto God. Living a sanctified life. Mind your own business. Take care of your own business, spiritually speaking. 
And really, that's a full-time job, isn't it, when you stop and think about it. Taking care of your, your own business, spiritually speaking. Uh, we, we can't live somebody else's life. We have enough to take care of, to take care of when it comes to our own life, spiritually speaking. And this is the idea of Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. Work out your own salvation, Paul says, with fear and trembling. Again, work out your own salvation. Strive to grow. Strive to be the person that, that God wants you to be. And so as we think about the, the subject of, of sanctification, we, we see these different exhortations. Love the brethren. Live a quiet and peaceable life. Mind your own business. And then notice what Paul says still in, in verse number 11. He just lists these things out. Notice the, 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 the practicality again and, and the wisdom we see in verse number 11. Work with your own hands. Oh, if the world would start listening to God when it comes to, to this passage, uh, it, it would solve a lot of problems with welfare and things of, of that nature. If people understood this concept that, that God wants us to work with our hands. Well, what is He talking about? You work to provide. If any man, if any man provide not for his own, 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, he's worse than, than an infidel. And throughout the New Testament, uh, this was a problem for the people of God. But have you ever thought about why Paul is having to, to address this here? And by the way, this isn't the only time that Paul is, is going to uh, address this with the brethren at Thessalonica. This, this was a, a, a real issue for the church. People being dead bodies, being bums, not, not working, being couch potatoes. They had to be exhorted, reminded to work with their hands to provide for their families. Look at this other example, if you would, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, read with me verse number 10. For even when we were with you, this we command you, commanded you, that if any would not work, Neither should he eat. Uh, I like that that sound advice. As I as I said, if, if the world would just stop and listen to God, it would solve a lot of the world's problems. Uh, I mean, notice this: if you want to eat, you're going to have to work. But look at verse number eleven. For we hear, remember, he's speaking to the church, to Christians. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. He says, out of step, listen to it, working not at all, but are busybodies. Oh, they're, they're busy, but they're busy doing the wrong things. They should be working with their hands, providing for their families. But that's what that's the issue. And some were struggling in this area. And by the way, this context has to do with church discipline. That, that's how serious this was. In fact, you can go back to verse number 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, 
That's the word that we mentioned there in verse number 11. And then in verse number 14, if any man obey not the word by this epistle, note that man, have no company, fellowship with him, that he may be ashamed. Don't count him as an enemy, but you admonish him as a brother. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's admonishing them. Hey, you need to work. You need to provide for your family. And we see that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. And it has to do with living a sanctified life. I think over the years, and I know that I've said it, a lot of times we we talk about sanctification. And and we give the, the simple definition as we're doing in our series of lessons. Set apart from sin unto God. But there's so much more to sanctification. And we see that right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If we live a sanctified life, we're going to provide for our families. We are going to work with our hands. Work is not a curse. Work is a good thing. This is the means that God has provided so that we will have the necessities of life. But we see these Christians, some of them, stopped working. But have you ever thought about why? Have you ever thought about why these Christians stopped working? Listen, what we believe really matters. And what we believe can really affect how we live this life. These Christians, remember, we're speaking about Christians that decided, you know what? I'm not going to work. Why though? Well, they had a misunderstanding of the second coming of Christ. And all you have to do is go back and you read through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Do you realize at the end of every chapter in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul has something to say about the second coming of Jesus Christ. That tells me something. These Christians misunderstood the second coming. And obviously, there were those that were thinking, you know what? Christ is is going to come any moment. So, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and, and, and I'm going to take thine ease, drink, be merry. I'm just going to wait for Christ to come. Why? Why work? There's no need to work. He's about to come. And this understanding of the second coming of Christ led to this problem. By the way, you see Paul addressing the congregation at Ephesus concerning this matter in Ephesians 4, verse number 28. He specifically says that we are to work with our hands so that we'll have the ability to help others in this life. Those that are in genuine need. And there are individuals in this world that need help. They need genuine help. And we see that we're exhorted as we have therefore the opportunity. We're to do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. And so some of this was caused by a misunderstanding of the Lord's church. But the Greeks believed that manual labor belonged to slaves. And as you know, slavery was a major issue uh, in, in the first century. And so the Greeks had a misunderstanding which led to this problem. But do you realize that this was even a problem for slaves who, who were converted to Christianity? 
some of them thought, well, you know, now that, that, that I'm a, a Christian, I don't have to work. I'm free. But listen to, to the exhortation Paul gives to slaves in the book of Ephesians. And I believe in principle right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you stop working. No, you continue to work with your hands. You continue to provide for your family. As Paul would say in Ephesians 6, not with, remember, eye service, but as unto the Lord. You will become the best employee, the best employer, I believe, if you really grasp sanctification and what Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12. You live a quiet, peaceable life. You mind your own business. You work with your hands. And I tell you what, if you would just do that, you'll probably stay out of trouble, you know. it. If we just follow the sound advice, wisdom, you will stay out of trouble. But then notice what Paul does. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, and, and here's, here's the purpose. Here, here's the purpose of, of, of sanctification. Don't lose sight of, of the subject of, of sanctification and the implications of sanctification. And, and you can just work your way through 1 Thessalonians 4 and you'll see these points. If I'm living a sanctified life... I'm going to be pure. I'm going to love the brethren. I'm going to have a special concern and care for the family of God. I'm going to mind my own business. I'm going to work with my hands. I'm going to lead a quiet and peaceable life for this purpose right here in verse number 12. Listen to it. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. The last part is pretty self-explanatory. You want to have food on the table? You want to have the necessities of life? Here's what you do. But go to the first part of verse 12. The purpose of sanctification is so that you will behave yourself properly Toward them that are without. Who is he talking about? Outsiders. He's talking about the world. Those that aren't a part of the family of God. You live this way so that you will have a good reputation. Listen, we don't, we don't want to, to live in a way that, that we bring shame upon the name of Jesus Christ. And listen, if, if we will follow Paul's advice, if we'll follow the Holy Spirit's instructions here, if we will live a quiet and peaceable life, not drawing attention to ourselves, being in the spotlight, but pointing people to Christ, and if we will learn to, to, to mind our own business and work with our hands, we're not going to have a bad reputation. No, we're going to, to live in a way that, that we're going to let our, our light shine. You know what Paul is really talking about here in verse number 12? 
evangelism and sanctification. Think about it. Sanctification. Being set apart from sin unto God has to do with sanctification. You see, if we live sanctified lives, we're going to let our light shine. We're going to give people in this world something good to look at. And this world needs Christians. This world needs Christians to live sanctified lives because we can draw others to Christ. And if we live a sanctified life, we're going to live a life of purity. Again, we're going to be hard workers. We're going to be people of integrity. And we're going to give people a sample of the good life, of the Christian life. So many will look at the Christian life and determine, you know what, I don't want to be a Christian. That is such a a boring life. And you know what, God doesn't want us to be happy. And that is so far from Christianity. If you stop and, and think about what God is asking of us, if you really want to grasp the meaning of life, and if you want to live a, a good life, a wholesome life, if you want to be happy, here's God's recipe. Here's God's instructions to each one of us, and it has to do with sanctification. Non-Christians should have no basis for thinking that, that Christians are unloving, troublesome, noisy, dead bodies. They should have no reason to, to think that way about us as New Testament Christians. What they should see is Christ living in us. They should see the character of Jesus in us as we strive to live a sanctified life. Sanctification should really characterize the people of God, the Lord's church. And if that truly characterizes who we are, again, we are going to live a life that is set apart from sin unto God. Let's strive to live a pure life. Let's grow in our love for one another. Let's live a quiet and peaceable life. Let's mind our own business. Let's let our light shine. Let's work with our hands, giving God the glory in all that we do. Let me encourage you to be reading 1 Thessalonians 4. Be reading 1 Thessalonians 5 as we'll continue to talk about the subject of sanctification. As we said, sanctification begins when we obey the gospel. Sanctification continues as we follow the Word of God. What about it tonight? Are you following the Word of God? Are you living a life that is set apart from sin unto God? If you've never obeyed the gospel, tonight is a wonderful opportunity for you to make that decision. No longer... Is it going to be me? No longer am I going to be the spotlight. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for Christ. And tonight, I'm going to come to Him in obedience to the Gospel. If you've never obeyed the Gospel, wonderful opportunity to do that. If you've already obeyed the Gospel, 
If you haven't been living that, that life that is set apart from sin, repent of that. Come back to your first love. Or it might be that you just need the prayers of the church. Maybe you need encouragement to live this way. We want you to know that we're here for you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to help you spiritually. If you need to respond, won't you do so at this time as we stand and as we stand.